Everybody got one of those kind of people. If you don't, hey, I'm still here. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. Do not look after me, okay? We're going to learn that we look, you know, fix our eyes on our creator here. But um, when we think about those people, and a lot, for a lot of us, I know for me, you know, they're not in my life anymore. You know, they're not that they're, they're you know, gone. They're just... You know, they've moved on to, to other places and they're, they're ministering other people now. Or they've, uh, they have gone on to be with the Lord and, you know, we await the same arrival that they have. Either way, once those people leave your life or once those people leave, you know, a certain setting, you, you know, we kind of get thinking about, well, who's going to fill their shoes? Who's, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be my Sunday school teacher now? You know? Because... You know, I'm not trying to throw any names out, but when I was a kid, my Sunday school teacher, you know, meant a, a lot to me. And even when I didn't see him for, for 10 or 15 years and I, you know, I walked back into his presence, you know, that one last time, you know, I couldn't do nothing, anything but cry, okay? Because he just, for some reason, you know, he showed me who God was. And I was so thankful, not only to God, but I was so thankful to him that he gave a part of his life to me, you know, and I was just this nutty kid in Sunday school class when I was six, seven, eight years old. You know what I mean? So who's going to fill their shoes? Not only who's going to fill their shoes, because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give you the answer to that question right now. I'm, I'm going to tell you who's going to fill their shoes. Okay, we are. Okay, we're going to fill their shoes. We're going to be the one that takes a stand and shows somebody else who Christ is. We're going to be the one that tells somebody uh, the gospel. We're going to be the one that takes Jesus out of these doors and into somebody else's life. Or we're going to be the one that shows the love of Jesus, whether we're in these doors, inside these, these buildings, or we're out in the world wherever we are. So it's going to be us. Okay? So if it's going to be us, I think what we need to do is learn how we're going to do that. Is that Fair enough that we take a minute to, to read God's word and find out exactly how we can be that somebody to somebody else. How we can be that imitator of Christ, that ambassador of Christ to somebody else. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, I hadn't coughed yet. God is good. Turn to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 20. While you're getting there, I'm going to give you a little background on what's going on. God says don't do this, people keep doing this. God says do this, people keep doing that. Fair enough? Every time God says to do something, somebody decides they're going to do something the way they want to do it. And there's consequences, repercussions of that, and we're going to find out what they are. You ready? So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he said, because this nation has violated my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, <coughs> and has not listened to my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them the nations which Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them. 
whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their fathers did or not. So the Lord allowed those nations to remain. Okay, God said, since you didn't do what I told you to do, I'm going to leave some, some things in your life. Because you haven't done what I told you to do, because you haven't stayed on the path, because you haven't done what I said to do, I'm going to leave some nations for, this, for Israel. They're, they're moving into the promised land. But he says, I'm going to leave some nations. And I want to know what nations has God left in your life. Okay? Because he didn't just leave the nations for Israel. He left the nations for each of us. Because we don't always do what God says for us to do. Yeah, we may be saved. Thank you, sir. Yes, we, are, <coughs> we may be saved. But it's a process. We're still being saved. Because each and every day we slip up and we have to ask God to forgive us once again, don't we? It's a process. We have to keep being saved. So when God said that I'm leaving some nations to test you, that's what God's doing in our lives. He's leaving the nations in our lives, the problems, the maybe if we just go ahead and throw some nations out there. Anybody got any bitterness in your life? Jealousy? Uh, ever, you ever feel hopeless? Powerless? Overwhelmed? Okay, those are some of the nations that God leaves in our lives. Because when the, what James say? Consider it pure joy. When you're faced with many trials and tribulations. But know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its course so that you can be perfect, lacking nothing. So the trials, the nations are set before the Israelites. The nations, the trials, the problems, the junk is set before us to test our faith. Fair enough. So what nations has God left in your life today? Can just I saw a sign yesterday and it said, <clears throat> you know, in the church. Yeah, we got the church signs. And the church sign said, count your blessings, not your problems. Your problems are your blessings. You can't get the blessing without the problem. Because he's, when he said, I'm leaving these nations to test you, he said, I will not drive them out quickly. He will drive them out. He's just not going to do it the way he had been doing it. He's just not going to just wipe them out and you're going to go in and you're going to conquer and conquest and you're going to rule and reign the world. You're going to rule and reign your own life. God needs to have some room for him to stay in your life. And if he lets you just conquer everything, guess what? Then the testing, is, it's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter because you're not going to trust God anyway. God wants to test you so that you can learn to trust God. So if we're going to be the ones that's going to be the, the next generation, the next step, the next phase in this era to be the light to the world, and we're going we're gonna to be the ones that fill their shoes. We're going to be the ones that somebody else is looking up to and wanting to know who God is. And we're going to be the ones that show, reveal God's love through us. Then we need to learn how to go through these tests and these trials and these nations that God has left in our lives. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them. 
that is all who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war. Anybody in here ever had to go to war? Has anybody ever been faced with a battle? Has anybody ever entered into the battlefield and, and, and fought in war? Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, you know, it's, it's the whole, you know, armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Be, you know, be ready to withstand the wiles of the devil. To, when you've done all you can do, stand. Okay? So our battles are not against flesh and blood. They're against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the heavens and the earth. They're, they're against all these spiritual warfare that's going on in our lives. So when I ask you if you've ever been in a battle, I want you to know that you've been in a battle. But your battle is not yours to fight. Because I'm going to take it back to the Red Sea for a minute. Because God said that he left these nations for these people. He left, the na- he left these nations in your life to test your faith. He left the nations in the Israelites' lives back to test their faith because they had not gone through the struggles and the trials that their fathers had been through. See, this is a whole new generation that he's talking about right here in Judges chapter 2 and 3. This is the generation that didn't see the parting of the Red Sea. They didn't see the struggles they went through in the wilderness. They didn't see everything. They were 20 years and less when he wiped out the rest of them. So they didn't, they didn't know God the way everybody else did. They didn't experience God the way that everybody else did. So we have to learn how to experience God. So let's go back to the Red Sea for just a minute. In Exodus chapter 14, 14, he says, you know, the Israelites, are, they've come out of Egypt and they're faced with the Red Sea right here. And then the, Egyptians are coming up right behind them. And they turn and they look. Here's our struggle. Tell me if you've ever been in this place where I've got this decision to make and I've got this decision to make and neither one of them seems very good at the time. Neither one of them seems like I'm going to be able to you know, handle either one of them. I can either try to swim across the ocean because do you think the Israelites ever thought for a minute that the Red Sea was going to just part and they were going to be, walk, be able to walk across it? No. No, so I can look out at the ocean and I can say, I can try to swim for it. But I bet you they've got, you know, the bows. I bet they can get me. So I can try to swim. Or maybe I can go back to the Egyptians and maybe I can beg for mercy. Maybe I can ask for forgiveness. Oh, you know, I don't know what made me do it. Because they didn't really trust God. They just got up and went. They just went along with the crowd. You know what I mean? There, there wasn't a whole lot of trusting of God because they'd seen all the miracles that God had done and they should have been, when they got to this point in their life, when they got to where it was, there's nowhere else for me to go, they should have turned to God, but instead of turning to God, they did what we all do. They blamed God. They said, why, God, is this happening? Why am I having to go through this? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to keep putting up with this? Why do I keep struggling with these same problems every day? Why do I have this sin that's before me every day and I keep either giving into it or I get right on the edge of giving into it and I don't give into it today, but tomorrow, you know what I do? I give into it again tomorrow. I've got this addiction and I can't get over it. 
I feel free for a minute, but then all of a sudden, all it takes is one phone call, and I'm back where I was before I ever started. Or I've got these kids, and I can't control them. And I think I've got them figured out, and I've got them you know, doped up on Benadryl enough that they'll take a nap, but it just makes them more wiry and more wired than they were before. I thought I could handle it on my own. That's a good idea. I, yeah, we tried it. You know, didn't work on the dogs either very well. But we think we can handle our problems on our own because they don't seem that big on the outside. You know what I mean? Sometimes we've got all these issues and they're small little things that it doesn't, it's not that big. <coughs> it's not that big of a deal. I can handle this. I don't need to call on God for this. But then when we get to that big place, well, we've tried to handle our own problems so much that we don't know where to call. So when we go to call on God, all we can do is call on God in hatred and anger and say, God, why are you doing this to me? I did this and I did that. But now you're still in my face. You're still doing this to me. How, how can you do that? I thought you loved me, God. Because that's what they did. They cried out to Moses. Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here by the Red Sea to be, be buried? And Moses stood before him and he said, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. All you have to do is be still and God will fight for you. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? The hardest thing for us to do is to not do anything at all. Because when, when, the, when you first get that phone call and somebody's going through some kind of trouble, well, okay, I'll give you an example. This has nothing to do with faith. This is just an example. If you can follow the picture that I try to paint. When someone gets hurt, the first thing you always want to do is offer them a drink of water. You know? You, uh, you know, you hit your, you bump your head, and it's, you know, oh, my head. Well, here, take a drink of water. You know? We do, we do silly things at silly times that is not going to solve any problem at all, but in our minds, it's the best thing that we can do. When if we would just be still long enough to realize the severity of the problem, or just be still to realize that, Hey, you know what? I need God in this situation. I need God to handle this right now. I can't, there's, there's nothing that I can do in this time and in this place to solve any of these problems. I can worry myself sick about it. Anybody got the nation of anxiety left in you? Where you just can't stop worrying about whatever it is that you're worrying about. And you, you ooh, and we try to hide it. We say, God, I'm giving it to you. I lay it down right here, Jesus. Take it. But I'm worried whether you got all of it or not. And we keep worrying. We keep worrying. Now, one of the nations that he left were the Philistines. Number one on the list, the five lords of the Philistines. Y'all know about the Philistines, you know, David and Goliath, the whole Philistines. So what did God do? 
in order to help the Israelites through their testing of their faith. To help them realize that God was in control and that the only thing that they could use to get out of this situation that they were in was God. How did God do that? He raised up these judges. Remember the judges? Okay, they were in the book of Judges. He raised up these judges. And sometimes the people would listen to them. Sometimes they wouldn't. But when they did listen to them, everything was going good for them until either the judge died and then they didn't have anybody left or they just decided that, well, you know what? We're going to keep doing what we want to do either way and God's God when I want God to be God. Anybody ever have that thought in your head? I've got time for God when I want God to be God. But right now, God, I'm fixing to do something. So close your eyes and let me do this. And then I'll, I'll catch back up with you on the other side of it and see if you can forgive me for it then. Kind of testing God. God says not to put him to the test. But we do it anyway. And we don't even realize that we do it. We don't. You don't realize that you put God to the test. But when you go and you... When you know that it's wrong, you know, the Bible says that, you know, the things you know not to do that you do, that's sin. So when you know not to do it and you do it anyway, you're testing God to see if he's faithful. You're testing God to see if he's going to forgive you for it. And that's not the way God wants it to be. But he raised up these judges. And I didn't know if I was going to say this, but we're going to say this because this is this is Holy Spirit. So there's this judge that he raises, and everybody knows him. His name is Samson. Everybody know Samson? Big, strong Samson, like me, strong, with short hair. I got short hair. So we got Samson, and Samson, you know, God comes to Samson's parents. He comes to to his to his mother. Okay, Manoah. Manoah is Samson's father. And God sends an angel of the Lord to his mother. And she, he tells, the angel of the Lord tells his mother, you're barren, you haven't had any children yet. But I'm going to send you a son. Sound familiar? I'm going to send you a son. She says, I'm going to send you a son. And his name... He's going to be Samson. She didn't, he didn't tell him that, but he's, that's what I'm telling y'all. It's going to be Samson. And he's going to be a Nazarite unto me from the womb. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord for life from the womb forever. And his job is going to be to deliver, to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines following me an angel told Samson's mom you're going to have a baby and that baby's going to be the one that's going to deliver you your whole nation and then the first time we see Samson he's headed somewhere anybody know where he's headed it says Samson in, in chapter 14 I think it is it says and Samson 
went down to Timnah. He went down to Timnah. When he went down to Timnah, guess what he did? He found a a woman of the Philistines. And he goes back to his parents and he says, Oh, I went down to Timnah and I found somebody. She's beautiful. She's just gorgeous. You think that's why he said it? No, he's a big, strong guy. He's like, she's hot. Bring her back up here with me. That's how he said it. Isaiah. No. But I found this woman. Go get her and bring her to me to be my wife. Not a very good idea, is it? But what they didn't know that was God was at work in, this, in, his, in his life. What they forgot was that God said, I'm going to give you a son and your son's going to be the one that's going to deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. Okay? What, what they forgot was that God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. God's got a purpose for every person in this planet. He's got a purpose for you. And if you're still here, then your purpose is still being fulfilled. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? As long as you're still here, then God's still got a plan and a purpose. And you need to get with God and figure out what that is. Even if you make some bad decisions and you make a wrong turn somewhere, you need to let God know that, hey, I trust you. I know I messed up, but I trust you that even though I'm standing in front of the Red Sea and I see the enemy behind me, you can deliver me from this. So deliver me from this. Okay, remember, we're learning how to help somebody else. Okay, but you can't help somebody else until you learn how to help yourself. And you can't help yourself. Did I just finish the message? You can't help yourself. So he goes down to Tim and he finds this woman. And he says, I want her to be my wife. And God's got a purpose for this. Well, his parents, they're the ones that, you know, the angel of the Lord came to to his mom and said, he's going to be the one that's going to deliver you. But now he's, instead of being delivered from them, he's going down there and he's joining with them because that's what the, the whole situation was to start with, was that, hey, don't intermingle with these people. Well, now, hey, look, now the, the deliverer is going to intermingle with the people. But if he hadn't have gone to Timnah, then he wouldn't have met the woman. And if he hadn't have met the woman, then he wouldn't have went back and he wouldn't have ripped the lion open Then when a lion tried to attack him. And then he wouldn't have came back by the line and found the honey in the line. And when he found the honey in the line, he wouldn't have ate the honey in the line. And he wouldn't have went back to the people when they were at the feast. And he said, hey, you know what? I got a joke for you. I got a riddle for you. I got a, you know, how about out of the strong came something to eat and out of the eater came something sweet. You figure that out and I'll give you 30 pieces of clothes, fine linen. But if you can't, then guess what? You got to give me the 30 pieces of linen. So what do they do? They get mad. They're they're Philistines now. Remember this. So they get mad and they said, you know what? This guy came down here just to take our money. Who does he think he is? And then they go to the woman that he's going to marry and they say, you got to do something about this. This guy just came down here to to take our money, take advantage of us. So you need to find out what that means and come back and tell us and let us know so that we can go and take his money instead of him taking our money. So he goes that, so she goes in and you know how women do. They, you know, oh baby, you know, just tell me, tell me. And you know what? We give in, don't we, Mr. Kent? We give in. Because who does the cooking? I'm not good at cooking. Okay, so we do what, you know, what persuasive women. 
Adam and Eve. Do I need to say any more? I mean, we give in. It's hereditary, I guess. So Samson tells her what the riddle means. And she goes back and tells all the people that were at the feast. And then they come to Samson and they said, you know what? Hey, yeah, we know what it means now, okay? And so he's like, well, I got to give you these clothes. I'll go get you some clothes. So he goes off and he kills a bunch of people, right? He kills 30 people and he brings back the clothes and he gives them to the clothes. And then he goes and hides himself in the cave up in Judah. He goes back to Judah and he goes and hides himself. And while he's gone, uh, the girl's dad says, well, he's not going to want to marry her now. So he gives her in marriage to somebody else. And while Judah's hiding in the cave, he, he says, you know, they come to him because they, they, they want to kill him now. So all the Philistines, they come up to the Israelites and they say, where is he at? We want to kill him. So he goes up there and he says, you know, don't kill me. Hand me over to them and I'll handle this. And when he, had, when he handed him over to them, what did he do? He took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand of them with the jawbone of a donkey. And then he goes back down to Timnah. And when he gets back down to Timnah, he's finds out that, well, she's no longer, you know, I gave her to marriage to somebody else. She married somebody else. Well, now you've upset me even more. So what does he do? He goes and finds the foxes. He catches the foxes. He ties the tails together. puts the torch in the tails. And he sets them loose in the grain. And they go and they burn all the grain in the fields, okay? So in other words, what seemed like something bad, what seemed like a bad decision, what seemed like a bad idea for Samson to go down to Timnah to do, God has a plan and God has a purpose, okay? Because he said he was going to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Well, he couldn't have delivered them from the Philistines while they were too scared to fight them. So he started a war with them. He started a fight. He picked a fight because it said that God was looking for an occasion for the Philistines. He was looking to pick a fight with the Philistines. So he did, and he used Samson to do that, okay? So uh, who do we have that maybe made what seemed like a bad decision in our lives? What, what, what didn't seem like the right thing to do? When Jesus was walking down back towards Jerusalem and his disciples said, why would you go back to Jerusalem? They were just trying to kill you. You've escaped them this far, this long. You've escaped the hands of the people that are trying to kill you this long. Why would you go back down there now? Because what we need to do before we can ask somebody if why would you do that? Why would you make that decision? Why do you think that's the thing that you need to do right now? Samson's life, it seemed like a bad thing to do. But it turned out to be exactly what God needed in order to start delivering these people from the Philistines. When Jesus was headed back into Jerusalem, he was headed back into Jerusalem for what? To take my sin and my shame. That's why he was going back to Jerusalem. Why would you go back down there now? Because I've got a plan and I've got a purpose. And my plan and my purpose is to save the world. But I have to go back down there to do it. So what we have to do, the only way that we can be the ones that fill their shoes, the only way that we can be the ones that the world looks up to that, that one little special kid in your life looks up to the one the one person that you've got <coughs> on your prayer list that you finally get to 
to, to minister to and to get to, to share the gospel with them. And the Holy Spirit shows up and he just opens their heart and they're like, yes, I finally understand exactly what you're telling me. The way that we get to that point is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It ain't, it's not fun having to go to war. Nobody signs up for war because it's fun. Some of them do, but those are the ones that are, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that think it's fun, but they're just Marines, Coast Guard. They're the Coast Guard. But it's to endure the joy set before him. Jesus went to the cross with a purpose in mind. Jesus went back into Jerusalem with a purpose in mind. Jesus went back to where they tried to kill him with a purpose. And everybody tried to stop him. Every time that he would mention the fact that he was going to die, somebody, one of his disciples, one of his close buddies, one of his dudes would try to stop him. He even told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You can't go down there. You're not going to die. Surely, if you die, we die with you. Get thee behind me, Satan. But it's fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Everybody in here has got a faith, whether you want to believe that or not. Everybody in here believes something. Everybody believes in something. Everybody trusts in something because that's what faith is. Faith is believing. Believing is trusting, okay? So everybody in here has some sort of faith. Everybody in here may say that I have a faith in Jesus. But not everybody can say that they have a faith in Jesus that is the real Jesus. The Jesus that I know that no matter what temptation comes on me I'm going to make it through it no matter where I go all I have to do is stand still and the Lord will fight for me so it's like this Jesus is we make Jesus our anchor right sticking with the coast guard we make Jesus our anchor we hold tight to Jesus we hold tight to that that faith that Jesus but when you throw that anchor out when it's time to use it when it's time to say, okay, I'll stand still and let you fight for me. When you throw that anchor out, what's that anchor tethered to? What's it tied to? Is it tied to just a name? Is it tied to just a person? Is it tied to just a thought? Or is it tied to the author and the perfecter of your faith? Is it tied to the person that had all power and authority over the physical, the spiritual realm, all power and authority? was given to him. Just like I said last time that when he healed, all the healings, all the miracles that Jesus performed was to show his power and his authority. And that power and the authority that Jesus has is the, the string that, tie, that you tie to God the Father and holding to Jesus as your anchor. And trusting that no matter what you face, trusting that no matter where you go, trusting that no matter what situation comes in front of you, that those nations that God hasn't driven out of your life yet, that you can stop, you can be still, and you can hold on to your anchor, Jesus Christ. And you can say that, I can't do this, God. 
I know I can't do this. I've tried time and time and time and time again. I've tried more than I'll ever be able to explain how many times I've tried to get through this on my own, but I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. I keep going back to the fact that I'm ashamed of what I've done in my life. Does anybody else go back to the fact that you're ashamed of things that may or may not have happened in your life? If you carry around the shame and the regret of the things that you've gone through in your life, then you need to cling to the cross of Jesus, not just who Jesus is, but cling to the cross of Jesus. His cross was to take the shame and the sin and the regret of our lives away from us so that we don't have to walk around in the shame and the regret that we had when we were going through those things. Now we've been forgiven. We've been raised with Christ as his children, and we don't have to carry around that shame and regret anymore. What we have to do is take up our cross, and our cross is what we have to pick up and take up daily, and that's to love somebody else as much as Jesus loved you. That's to show the kindness and compassion and joy to someone else that Jesus showed to you. And when you do that, then you fill the shoes and become the person that you, you, you knew when you were a kid. Because I guarantee you, if I met the person <laughs> that I knew when I was a kid that I looked up to all those years and still look up to today, I guarantee you if I spent a week and a half with him at the beach, I probably wouldn't look up to him anymore. Because he's got the same issues I've got. Okay, And that's where we struggle with fixing our eyes on Jesus because it's, you know, it's not always a focus of fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's not always that we're completely focused on Jesus. We say that. We want that. <laughs> we need that. But the truth of the matter is we don't. We, we, it's so easy to lose our focus. It's so easy to, to look to, the, to see something shiny and go after it. But that's the faithfulness of our God. That when we do, if we'll stand still and let him come back into our lives, if we'll stand still and let him take control, if we'll stand still and let him be the Lord <coughs> excuse me, of our lives, then he is faithful and he will part the sea and we will cross over on dry land and we will see these enemies who are before us never again. He will drive out the nations. One piece at a time so when you look like a grasshopper in your own eyes in front of these giants you need to know that in God's eyes they're the grasshoppers he's able so if you don't have someone in your life who has been your rock, your mentor, your, your person you go to. Um, share some love and get to know some people and maybe you'll find that person. If you still know that person in your life and you haven't taken the opportunity to just thank them and let them know what God's done through them, then by all means, thank them and let them know what God's done through them. If you are that person in someone's life, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. But, above and beyond all, fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of your faith.
And if you don't know Jesus, then I'd like to take this time to let you know that there is a God in heaven and he loves you. Um, it didn't seem like a good idea to his friends, but Jesus made a trip back down to Jerusalem one last time. And as he entered in, everybody was so excited. But as they let him out, everybody was so sad. Because he took the shame and the guilt of the world on himself. And he went to a cross. And he died a painful, tragic death. <clears throat> and he did that to give you forgiveness of your sin. He uh, defeated death and rose from the grave and he lives today. And he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your companion. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to hear you. Answer his call because he's, he's calling you. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then just listen. See if you hear him calling you. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Father, I thank you for the times I've failed because I learned more about you through my failure than any other time in my life. God, I've learned to trust you more and more by the decisions I've made. I've learned that you're, you're always with me. I've learned that no matter where I go, I can't get away from you. And I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. So, Father, right now I pray that you're, you're calling out to each and every person in this place. You're, you're, you're beating on every heart. Saying, let me in. Let me into your life. Maybe if there's somebody here, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior, you're asking to come in for the first time. And be the Lord of their life. God, I pray that you move them. Father, if there's somebody here that's just coming to the realization that they can't do it on their own. That everything that we've tried to do, we fail at. Every time we think we've got it figured out, you flip it on us. Father, I, I pray that you come into the hearts and the lives of everyone right in the middle of their problem. That we allow you to come into the middle of our problem. That we allow you to be in control of our lives. Not just be a part of them. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for your word. I thank you for using me, God. In Jesus' name I pray.
Take your hymnals and let's turn to page 
working, honoring the Lord, and struggling through being sick. Appreciate you standing up for him today. All of us need something. We all need a little bit more Jesus. It's what makes a difference in our life. No matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, we could all use a little more Jesus. So I encourage you, don't uh, don't miss any service. I don't know uh, what you're used to, uh, but when the Lord comes by and he visits, even if it's just one person, uh, you don't want to miss something like that. Exciting when God to know that God's still working, He's still moving. He can do the same thing for you. He can move in your heart. He can move in your life. We're not talking about your sin or your wicked, anything like that. He can encourage you. He can strengthen you. He can help you uh, to be more uh, and to be better and to let people see Him in you. So don't miss any opportunity that you have to be in the service. I don't know what y'all are used to as far as, you know, the Bible studies and different things. But we're having church again tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, and if you like church and you're a part of church and you want this church to work and you want it to go and grow, then we're having church at 5 o'clock tonight. And you say, well, that's awful rude. Well, you might as well get used to it because I'll be in your face. We're going to have church at 5 o'clock. And uh, we need you to come back, be in your place, be here at 5 o'clock. And we'll have church again. We'll celebrate Jesus again. We'll brag on how good he is and look in his word to see what all he can do for us. The young people will be meeting. The children, don't forget, 4 o'clock, they'll be here. If you're interested in the sound, uh, 4 o'clock, be here for that. And uh, I know that'll be a place you could serve and be a great blessing in that ministry. All right? Uh, prayer request. If you have an update, there's something on the list. I'm... I'm not even going to attempt that list. Uh, it's too long uh, to go over every name. But if you have something in there that's special that we need to know about or we need to update or somebody you need to add, this is the time we do that. So we'll take just a minute for that. Updates, something new. Nothing there. That's great. God still answers prayer. He still does. All right. Well, then we'll all stand together. Thank God for his goodness. Thank for, for how he moved in the service. And if don't forget, if you have a ticket for the meal, go ahead and get that filled out and turn those in so they can be preparing for that. All right. Let's ask the Lord to bless us this afternoon. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for Brad, Lord, and his desire to serve you. Thank you for the word that he brought us this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and how he moved in our midst today. I pray, God, you'll just continue to work on our hearts today, Lord, and draw us closer to you. I pray, God, as we depart from this place, Lord, you'll keep us safe as we go our separate ways. Help us to enjoy this day that you've made for us. Help us to rejoice in it, Lord, and spend it with you. Spend it around you, Lord. May whatever we do be focused on you. And God, if it be your will, you bring us back this evening again so that we can once again turn our attention to you and worship you. Lord, you deserve all of our honor, all of our glory, and all of our praise. Lord, that's what we get together for, to praise you, Lord, and to learn from your word. So just keep us safe as we travel, and we'll love you, and we'll praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.